0: visit patreon.com sword and Laser. Sword and Laser hopes you will enjoy this program. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Tom Merritt.
1: And I'm Alex
0: Brown. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And Veronica is still on maternity leave with her wonderful baby. She's doing great. I was just texting with her earlier. Uh, she's going back and reading old Dresden books. Uh, oh. ha- I know, having a ball. Uh, but Alex, thank you for stepping in and, and helping us with the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited to be here.
0: If you could, uh, tell folks a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so I'm a librarian. Um, I work with teens a lot. That's my my main goal there. Um, and I also do sort of local history. I've written a couple of books about Napa County history since I'm from Napa County, um, in particular, marginalized communities. And uh, yeah, I talk a lot about librarianship and diversity work within librarianship, or I should I should say diversity issues <laughs> within mm-hmm. librarianship.
0: Gotcha. I didn't know you're from Napa. I used to live up in Sonoma, so right next door.
1: Right next door. Oh, yeah. I also write for Tor and Locus and a bunch of other places, but I'm a, a reviewer and critic of speculative fiction.
0: Yes, you may have seen Alex's work out there on the internet. In fact, I bet yeah. a lot of you have. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, we always start with what are we drinking? Uh, and lately, it's been something cool that we've been drinking lately. I'm not drinking anything that interesting right at the moment, but I did go to my local bubble tea place uh this yesterday afternoon because my wife saw a picture on Instagram of Oreo cream cheese milk tea with Ooh. boba uh, oh. and it wasn't as it honestly wasn't as good as i expected given that name but it was pretty good it was still pretty good
1: <laughs> i'm i'm sort of semi lactose intolerant so that sounds and that sounds terrible to me <laughs> but
0: i think I'm they do a it. soy milk there but i didn't i haven't tried it
1: Yeah. I'm very, very boring. I'm drinking peppermint tea. Tea is like my main liquid consumption. So that is what I'm enjoying.
0: (laughs) Good peppermint tea. There's nothing wrong with that. I love it. All right. Let's get into the quick burns. Ruth posted, uh, and we've got a lot, it's award season, even in the book world. uh, The British Fantasy Awards were announced. The winner of the Best Fantasy Novel Award was The Bone Ships by R.J. Barker, uh, which Ruth says is a book she's read and would 100% recommend adding to your to be read list if a fantasy adventure on the high seas with clever world building and great characters sounds like your kind of thing.
1: I have not read that. That does sound very interesting, but uh, I was super excited that Faya got on. For the British Fantasy Awards, that was oh, got very the nomination for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, very cool. Uh, Richard posted that Netflix just came out with a trailer to the new series based on Shadow and Bone by Leigh Bardugo. Uh, Richard posted a quote from the Deadline article. In the teaser trailer, we meet Alina Starkov, played by Jessie May Lee, as she unleashes her newfound power, as well as General Kerrigan, played by Ben Barnes, as he meets Alina for the first time. Also, uh, in book TV news, a trailer for season four of The Handmaid's Tale is out, and that is coming back to Hulu on April 28th. Uh, are Have you watched The Handmaid's Tale? Are you familiar with Shadow and Bone? Either one of these get you excited?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know the Grishaverse Um I'm very excited about it. I'm disappointed that Nina was not cast as a fat actress, but I'm mm-hmm. very excited about the the TV show for that. And Ben Barnes is very nice to look at. Um, but no, I have not watched <laughs> A Handmaid's Tale. It's just, it's it came out, you know, right in the middle of the worst possible administration. And I just, I don't have the heart. I go through enough crap every day that I don't have it in me to take it home at night.
0: I think that is a testament to how good it is, how many people I've heard say that, where it's like, it's just too hard. It's too, someday maybe, but too hard to watch. I get totally. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe in like 20 years when, (laughs) you know, I'm retired or something and sitting on a beach somewhere. Sure, sure.
0: Uh, Seth posted uh, more nominees the LA Times posted nominees for their Ray Bradbury Prize for Science Fiction Fantasy and Speculative Fiction including Susanna Clark for Piranesi Megan Giddings Lakewood Stephen Graham Jones The Only Good Indians N.K. Jemison, The City We Became Aoko Matsuda uh, with a translation by Polly Barton Where the Wild Ladies Are Yes
1: yeah, so many good that, I don't know if you read The Only Good Indians but oh my god
0: No I haven't oh, holy I haven't read any of these yet
1: <laughs> Oh, Piranesi was really, really good, too. There's so much. It's one I'm going to have to reread. I did a book club and we like went back and talked about it. And there are just so many things that are happening under the surface on that one.
0: What's it about? I mean, what what are either either of those about?
1: Piranesi is sort of a portal fantasy. There's a man who's living in a sort of a endless set of halls. And there's another man called who, you know, wants him to do stuff and that's really all i can say that's intriguing a set of halls
0: is very intriguing already just yes, right there
1: it's it's very weird and the man has no memory of his past and then oh, he finds wow. journals that he apparently wrote but has no memory of writing and huh. then it just spirals onto there but there's like really deep stuff happening um and then the only good indians uh i can't remember which tribe i think blackfeet um, but it's set on a reservation, and it's horror, and, and these men shoot a deer, and then the deer basically comes back and oh. exacts vengeance on them <laughs> ten years later, and oh just my. murders everyone in in their path. And it's uh, I had the uh, I was listening to it while on audiobook while I was moving, to, uh, and I was driving through a national forest at night, listening to a deer woman talk about <laughs> how she's going to murder people and like deer are like on the side <laughs> of the road, oh, no. terrifying.
0: Right, you're like it's not me. I'm on your side, dear. I'm yeah. just driving.
1: Bad Amazing. choice on my part.
0: Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! I, I once, it not nearly, not quite as terrifying. Although now that I'm thinking about it a little bit, uh, there's a song called Atomic Power, uh, that was like a non-ironic 50s gospel song that was covered by Uncle Tupelo in the 90s. And one time I was driving through the White Sands Missile Range and that came on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's yeah, a little that stressing. Uh, We've got more award nominees. Mark uh, posted that finalists were announced for the 26th Audi Awards. Uh, These are from the Audio Publishers Society. Uh, Winners to be revealed at a gala to be held virtually, uh, streaming live to the public March 22nd. Uh, I I don't know if I can... I guess I'll go through all the... I don't want to leave anybody out, so I'll go through all the nominees, but there's quite a few of them. Uh, Aliens phalanx by scott sigler narrated by bronson pinchot published by blackstone axioms end by lindsey ellis narrated by stephanie willis and abigail thorne published by Macmillan. the deep by river solomon with david diggs william hudson and jonathan snipes narrated by david diggs published by Simon & Schuster. Heaven's River by Dennis E. Taylor, narrated by Ray Porter, published by Audible. Ruins of the Galaxy by J.N. Cheney and Christopher Hopper, narrated by R.C. Bray, published by Podium. Star Wars Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising by Timothy Zahn, narrated by Mark Thompson and published by Penguin Random House Audio. Uh, that's just science fiction. We'll get to fantasy in a second. Anything uh, notable there for you there?
1: No, I'm not a huge sci-fi person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not either read or audiobooked any of the... Oh, no, I did. I read The Deep. Um, River Solomon's book. Oh my God. That was a beautiful book. I haven't listened to it on audio. Um, but man, was that a good book.
0: I love Rivers, oh. the River Solomon that we read for sword and laser. And I've been wanting to get back to them. Uh, and I love to V too. So yes. that does seem like a good call.
1: And, yeah. And it's, it's based on, I can't remember if it's based on a song. I think it's a song that V Diggs and somebody else it's in the front of the book. Uh, um, but okay. it's based on a song, I believe. Um, and yeah, yeah I, it's so good. There's mermaids and queerness and <laughs> okay, revenge. Good. And it's a novella, so it's it's fast.
0: Oh, good. That's another reason is because it's with having to read sword and laser books oh, on top of everything else. Uh, sometimes I find my time disappearing. So that's, that's something I can I can get motivated to add in. Definitely. Uh, Fantasy-wise, uh, we have The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin, narrated by Robin Miles, published by Hachette. The House in the Cerulean Sea, which is in our March Madness Tournament by T.J. Klune, narrated by Daniel Henning, published by Macmillan. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab, narrated by Julie Whalen, published by Macmillan. The Last Smile in Sunder City, written and narrated by Luke Arnold, published by Hachette. And Ray Bearer by Jordan Ifueko, narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt, published by Blackstone.
1: Is that like Luke Arnold, like Black Sales, Luke Arnold?
0: I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's more my mind. I mean, that would make
0: sense. Usually, narrators are, not usually, but narrators are often actors.
1: Huh. I'll have to to Google that. If that is Black Sales, then I will put
0: that on my list. I love (laughs) that dude. It does make a difference sometimes. Yeah. For sure. Uh Seth pointed out that N'Give Vo has won the Crawford Award for Best Fantasy Debut with the novel The Empress of Salt and Fortune.
1: Ah, uh, loved it. Loved it. Loved, oh, it. loved,
0: um, it. loved it. Really? That's okay. Tell me about it. Again, this. and
1: they're both they're both novellas so you can and they read really quickly. Um the basic premise there's a a, a woman or excuse me, not a woman. There's a character uh mm. who I can't remember what their name is. Um, but they basically go through, and um, their their job is to collect stories and and write them down and record them for their mm-hmm. um, sort of monastery. Uh, and Empress of Salt and Fortune, this this scribe encounters a old woman who you know lives in a cabin alone, and it turns out that this old woman is the the former maid of the mother of the current empress, so the woman who's about to be crowned empress, and how that came to be. It's a fascinating story. It's really good.
0: Is it got palace intrigue?
1: yes, sort of. Yes. Uh, Yeah. The the empress marries or the woman who becomes the first empress marries an emperor who is not a very good person Uh and she gets banished and then she gets herself unbanished in some very clever ways.
0: I mean, you got a little monastic, a little goblin emperor type palace Mm -hmm. intrigue and I'm in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's set in sort of like a historical Asia fantasy oh, background.
0: Do you know, uh, the story of Yangshi palace TV mm-hmm. series? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of like that?
1: Yeah. Similar <sighs> feel. Similar okay, feel.
0: Uh, now I'm laying <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good. Uh, Richard pointed out that the perseverance Rover, uh, red planet touchdown site has been named for Octavia Butler. Uh, Yay! the, uh, the, the great author who we recently read, uh, and then Jan. Pointed out, speaking of Octavia Butler, Disney-owned FX is adapting Octavia Butler's book Kindred as a TV series, uh, and Brandon Jacobs Jenkins of Watchmen fame is writing the script.
1: That is the only Octavia Butler book I have managed to read because it was so stressful. Like, I need to be in an emotionally secure place before I can read <laughs> the others. But, man, Kindred knocked me completely out. Like, ugh. As soon as I read it, I was like, this has to be a TV show immediately. I don't know why nobody I mean, I know why nobody's done it as a TV show because racism is everywhere. Yeah. But um I just I'm and that Brandon is doing it, I'm so excited.
0: I, I know what you mean about uh we read Parable of the Sower, that right? was uh-huh. Bria Grant's uh pick and it, it was one, it was one way or the other. It was either like you fight fire with fire. You read parable of the sower while living in Los Angeles, going through a pandemic <laughs> uh, and it works for you. Or people were like, "Nope, I'm out too, too soon too quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, that's power, the power of her, of her writing right there.
1: Yeah. She, I mean, she's so good at just pulling you into the story. I, I'd actually planned to read Paral, parable of the sower last summer. Uh, and then we had a pandemic, and I was like, "Nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it." I was literally on the out, uh,
0: walking around in an abandoned world with my dog uh, <laughs> while listening to the audio book of, of that. Yeah. It was very good at at setting the scene. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, And then Sheila Jean wrote, while I am generally aware of the pains related to digital books and library sales and terms, I was not aware that Amazon was not selling digital copies to libraries, period, and points to a Washington Post article about the fact that any of Amazon's in-house publishing, they will sell the the physical books to libraries, but they do not make their e-books available in any way to libraries.
1: That does not surprise me any way, shape or form. I mean, I could have a whole podcast where I just talk about <laughs> how awful audiobook sales are with libraries. But it's sort of the, you know, Amazon has a monopoly and they have a desire to keep a monopoly. And I mean, we we've went through this with um Tor Publishing too. I mean they they as far as I know, they still have a uh what's it called when they um don't release something immediately. Like you can get it in print. Oh, like you a can't delayed
0: a, release. I'm yeah, mature, you can't yeah, get yeah. it on
1: audiobook for like the first six months or something like a ridiculous window. like yeah. that. Yeah. um mm. uh, Because there's this idea that if they listen to it on the audiobook, then they won't buy it. I was like, well, A, yes, they will. And also, <laughs> B, those audiobooks cost libraries, you know, like a hundred something dollars or more. They're really expensive. I just, you know, it, it, whatever I'm paying as a librarian for this audiobook is like, 20 times what someone's going to buy it in print. So, Also, you know.
0: I am still perhaps old fashioned in that I think uh, along the lines of what Cory Doctorow has said that uh, making your writing more available makes it more likely that people will discover it and eventually more people buy it. And so I, I feel like Amazon's not even doing the right thing in their own self-interest here.
1: Oh no, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I got into into romance novels last last year with the pandemic. Like that was pretty much
0: uh-huh.
1: the only thing I could read. <laughs> without breaking my brain last
0: year and
1: i'm still doing it but you know where i get almost all of my audiobook or all of my romance books from my library's hoopla app i have Mm -hmm. checked out almost every single (laughs) romance audiobook that my library offers and i've actually bought quite a few of them in print later on because i wanted to have them but i wouldn't have even bothered to discover them if i didn't have the hoopla account yeah and guess guess what happened with the hoopla account? The librarians bought the book to put it on a hoopla.
0: Right? You know? So I I feel like there's there's more than I'm 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 not discounting that greed is a part of this for sure. Uh but greed doesn't even rationally explain all of it. So I, no. I wonder if there's just bureaucracy if a company gets so big that they just can't the wheels can't grind forward on stuff like that.
1: Uh, I mean if Amazon wanted to sell those books, they would make it happen. I mean, they they bought a grocery store. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I, yeah, I think it literally, I mean, Tor put out all of these statistics and percentages and math about why it wasn't economically feasible. And it took librarians like five minutes to just count everything on there. So it, it I think it ultimately comes down to who gets access to things and how mm-hmm. they want to make money. And they just don't want to do it with libraries yet. And then it'll hurt them in the bottom line eventually.
0: Just one more thing that I don't like about yep. that. All right. Uh, March Madness is here, uh, which I feel confident saying, even though it's a trademark term for basketball, because we are not a basketball league or <laughs> <We're, laughs> a book podcast. But we're doing our regular March tournament where you folks get to vote on different books in paired matches and the winner of each match goes next week uh, to take on another winner until we finally end up with a vote for the book we're going to read for April and we are into the semifinals so we have only if you've been waiting to vote because you're like I don't know there's too many I can't decide you've only got two matchups this time to pick from Uh, Gods of Jade and Shadow by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia is up against Rivers of London Midnight Riot by Ben Aronovich and the other matchup is The Ruthless Ladies' Guide to Wizardry by C.M. Wagoner against The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune. So you pick one book in each of those matchups and the winner of those votes uh, will go on, up against each other next week. So you've got until next Tuesday to vote on these and then we'll have one more week uh, for the last vote. You were saying that uh, Gods of Jade and Shadow and The House in the Cerulean Sea are both great.
1: Yeah, I haven't read Houses on the Cerulean Sea yet, but every single person I know who has read it ah. is just, like, gushing about it. It's supposed to be so good. It's very, very high on my TBR. Um, but I did read Gods of Jade and Shadow last year. I read it in print, and it is really, really good. I gave it to my mom afterwards, who doesn't normally read a lot of fantasy, and she would, she just ate it up. Like, it's it's super good. There's, you know, Mayan mythology, and it's set in 1920s Mexico, and it's just it's great.
0: Oh, this it's I mean we're not trying to unduly influence anyone vote for vote for whomever you want to vote it's an open vote but that does sound pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> if you if you want to know how to vote go to our goodreads forum and just click on the polls the polls are always up at the top uh or you can go to swordandlaser.com, click on march madness and get uh the full brackets there and instructions on how to do the voting. All right, it's time to bear your sword. Our feedback from the audience and It's all about snacks Uh, because we were talking about Old Bay uh, with the SMR podcast folks last time. Terp Kristen noted that someone once walked into my office and said, I know you're from Maryland because you have Old Bay on your desk. Terp Kristen says, I love Old Bay and I enjoy crab chips, but I once had crab cheese puffs and they were infinitely better. For regular snacking, I do sour cream and onion or sour cream and cheddar, preferably in the ridged variety. For all my love of Old Bay, though, I'm allergic to actual crabs. Go figure. Oh, that's sad. Related to the topic of Old Bay, Terp Kristen continues, the University of Maryland School of Engineering newsletter gave a recipe for Old Bay snickerdoodles around Christmas. I haven't tried to make them yet, but I did finally pick up cream of tartar to do so.
1: I'm sorry. That sounds terrible. (laughs) I mean, I hope they're just like regular snickerdoodles. I hope they're not like crab flavored snickerdoodles, because that sounds awful.
0: I mean, is it... uh, is it far off from salted caramel, right? It's just a little savory? No? Mm-hmm.
1: I, I'm, I am. I do not care for seafood of any way. Uh, okay. Form, I, see, so I see. It all sounds terrible to me, but you go to town. Well, I support I, I, you and your crab <laughs> enjoyment.
0: I, I apologize in advance for our next piece of feedback from Ruth, uh, who says, I'm intrigued by the idea of the crab chips, but they don't seem to be available over here in the UK. The closest thing is probably these firecracker lobster flavored. Chips. Uh then Ruth followed up after posting my comment about crab chips not being available in the UK. I immediately realized that I had somehow momentarily forgotten that while I've never seen crab flavored chips, prawn cocktail flavor is literally everywhere and mostly tastes like ketchup.
1: Yeah, I will say that. I spent a year in Scotland and I did have prawn cocktail flavored chips and they do, or I guess, you know, they're not chips over there, but yes, they do taste like ketchup.
0: <laughs> I, I love like shrimp chips uh, the the Calbee things. They're like, they look like French fries, but they're just kind of like puffed wheat. No, I don't
1: know what those are.
0: Yeah. Look for them in, mm. in a, a Asian grocery stores. Usually, um, they're, they're all over like Japan, Korea, East Asia. Um, and they're not heavily, sh- although I feel bad saying any, <laughs> any more seafood flavored <laughs> things. Here.
1: I just, I enjoy everybody eats their own weird exactly. stuff. And exactly. I am, as long as I don't have to consume it, <laughs> I'm so much mind.
0: Trike uh, followed up, He's saying, "My stance against food that tastes like other food is justified. I present Exhibit A: Pringles potato chips that taste like Moa burgers from the Halo video game. Moa is that a
1: is that a real like food?
0: No." All okay. right. <laughs> Strike uh, explains Moa as in the giant flightless bird de-extincted for a sci-fi franchise only to be served up for dinner. Now the imaginary bird food can be had in chip form.
1: I don't I don't understand. Maybe my brain can't process it. How do you make a chip taste like a an extinct bird from it's, a video?
0: Game? My dad was a food scientist, so I think I have a visceral understanding of this. It's all in the marketing. Uh the 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 actual flavor of the chips is probably just burger flavored, is my guess.
1: Yeah, Ugh. I I will agree with Trike that I am not super into foods that taste that are you know taste
0: like other. Food. I don't even
1: like <laughs> cakes that are made to look like other foods. Like it's just too oh, really? uncanny valley for me. <laughs>
0: like the 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 cheeseburger cake that's really yeah, just a cake no. but it looks like yeah, a cheeseburger it, it, no.
1: or like there, there was that one cake that went around twitter where it looked like raw chicken I'm oh like, they no, were
0: doing everything as you? a cake for a while yeah yeah, no, yeah 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 no don't do that The raw chicken one was a little disturbing i'm not i'm yeah. I'm gonna agree with you there do you have a a, a a favorite snack like for a reading or anything um
1: i'm not a huge snacker mm-hmm. in terms of like i mean i eat snack foods as meals all the time ah. because I'm a terrible well then, what's adult. What's your
0: favorite snack food meal?
1: <laughs> uh, I eat a lot of chips and salsa. Like I'll have oh, yeah. an entire lunch of Classic. chips and salsa. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm very bad. Or, you know, what are those terrible like pre-popped popcorn with cheese powder on it. That's good awful, stuff though. Yeah, yeah, it's tasty. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's get to Beth Mitchum. At uh, Mitchum Beth on Twitter is back with a twitter sized review of the fold our book from last month beth writes the fold peter Klein's ginormous flying trans-dimensional monsters are why we can't have nice things i enjoyed (laughs) watching the mild english teacher break out of a shell as he unfolds the mystery hey what if zoom calls worked as gates
1: that sounds very intriguing
0: (laughs) i know she's so good like these should be book jacket uh, yeah. Uh, copy uh, for sure. Although the idea of Zoom calls working as gates uh, sounds slightly horrifying. Depending.
1: Yeah, I'm waiting. By the way, if anybody who reading or listening to this writes short speculative fiction, I want that as a story. Like, do
0: it now. <laughs> the Zoom <because> call <laughs> as a gate.
1: Yeah. Super interesting.
0: That's good stuff. Thank you, Beth, uh, for that. As always, uh, and all the folks who are following and at replying on Twitter, we see you all. All right, it is time for our non-spoilery. Uh, kickoff of our March book, Elatsoe by Darcy Little Badger. Uh, This was picked by you, Alex. Uh, So tell us a little bit about the book and why you picked it.
1: So I picked it because I, well, one, I really wanted to read it last year and I couldn't get (laughs) to it. So I'm (laughs) super excited to have an opportunity to finally read it. Um, But I'm familiar with Darcy through her short fiction. um, And I have always really enjoyed her short fiction and she, you know, she's an indigenous author. She's Lipan Apache and she's ace. Uh, I believe she's asexual and aromantic. Um, mm-hmm. And the character is too. And as somebody who's also asexual and aromantic, although I'm not indigenous, um, I'm always sort of drawn to sort of own voices in that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's not a lot of own voices, ace arrow or ace spec fiction mm-hmm. in YA. Uh, and there's certainly more a spec fiction sort of in general, uh, written by allosexual people, but not uh, own voices. So this was a, a big draw for me.
0: So the representation, along with an author that you knew wrote things you enjoyed before.
1: Yeah. And I'd never, I mean, she hadn't written anything YA that I had read. It's mm-hmm. all just like um, speculative fiction. I'm, in fact, so for tour, I do a monthly short fiction spotlight column. Um, And I actually put one of her short stories, Unlike Most Tides, uh, was on my May 2020 um, feature. So I I definitely have been following her for a while. So this was kind of a confluence of many things that sounded very interesting. And the plot sounds really cool, too.
0: Yeah. So I I know you haven't started reading it yet. I've I've just barely started it myself. And we're not going to get spoilery uh, beyond book jacket copy stuff. What, What do you expect from what you know?
1: Um, I expect it to be, there's a, there's a murder mystery. Um, her cousin is murdered, um, and, or her cousin dies and she suspects that it's murder. Um, and so the family goes to kind of help take care of of his widow and his um, child. And she sort of investigates his murder. Um, and she has the ability to, um, sort of summon the spirits of animals. Um, so there's a lot of, I expect a lot of animal ghosts and, uh, indigenous family traditions and things like that. Um, there's supposed to be a really strong connection with her, with her family and intergenerations and her sixth great grandmother. And so I'm looking for a lot of family connection.
0: The, uh, the book jacket described uh, Ellie uh, being accompanied by the ghost of her pet dog Kirby, uh, which (laughs) I I don't think it's spoiler to say you meet rather quickly in the story. And as an owner of two dogs, uh, man, (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving that idea. And I already love Kirby. Kirby is one of my favorite characters ever.
1: Yeah, I I thought that was such a neat a neat little thing to do. I don't have dogs. I have pet rats. Um, and there was a way back on Tumblr. I think it was on Tumblr, but years and years and years ago, I saw this story where um this witch shows up at a a pot carry with you know an older witch, um and she's got all the younger witch has all of these like rat. Skeletons running Uh around because she tried to resurrect her dead rats and instead only like resurrected their skeletons. And I thought, you know, if I could do that, I wouldn't actually mind having little skeletons of all my old 20 rat skeletons running around (laughs) my apartment. I'd be okay with that. That's
0: amazing. Yeah. I don't know if that would work with dogs for me.
1: Might be a little cumbersome with
0: dogs. Yeah, maybe. Although uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, the fake dog skeletons or cat skeletons that people put out at Halloween in front oh, of yeah, their the house. Yeah,
1: the ones at Target that have like, yeah. like the bone ears. Yeah, right. I have one of those of, of a rat up on my bookshelf because I find
0: it hilarious. My one of my dogs, uh, Ray, the German Shepherd, uh, every year when she sees them, immediately gets down and barks like "What is that?" <laughs> and then it takes her like a day to be "Oh, right, the skeletons are back." I'm used to that. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, I'm, I'm very much looking forward uh, to this as well uh, because there's, there's something about mushroom transportation in here too, yes. I think.
1: Yeah. It's, um, some kind of fungus something or other. That, yeah. Um, I remember reading a, a little bit about that. That's she's just, Darcy's very good at pulling weird, at least from a short fiction is very good at pulling weird ideas together in a way that ends up making complete and total sense.
0: Yeah, and because it's young adult, I, I I I don't know if this is a prejudice for a young adult, but it's a positive one for me. I I expect it's going to be fun, at at least in part. Maybe not always, but it it feels like it it should be a fun ride.
1: It should be. That's definitely not true of a lot of young adults. I just read a young adult fiction um, that I was writing for a review, and it was. Like the premise is basically like it's the Gilded Ones, if anybody has read it yet. But mm-hmm. the premise is basically a young woman is declared a demon uh, and is murdered multiple times for her blood before she's enslaved to the That's Emperor not fun, no. and, and forced to slaughter other demons <laughs> <since> she learns <laughs> about her power. So fun is not necessarily a, a, a through line for all YA. Sure, sure. That. I mean, yeah. the book is great. Gilded Ones is wonderful but definitely
0: not fun but maybe not fun uh all right <laughs> but i think a lots might be um yeah at least that's I the think vibe that i'm getting out of here um also oh there's a reference in the blurb to willoughby being a mysterious town and i don't know if you're familiar with the 1950s twilight zone episode uh a train to willoughby Mm-mm. i'm very curious if that is just happenstance that it's you know. Not not related at all, or if there is some allusion to that, because that would be interesting. Because Willoughby is a mysterious town in the Twilight. Uh, pretty much everything in Twilight Zone is mysterious, but yeah, it's is it a, not a
1: real town? It's I didn't it's get kind, that far to like Google it. So. Kind
0: of not a real town. Yeah.
1: Ooh, then yeah. I bet it is a Twilight Zone reference.
0: <laughs> I am. I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out. Any other thoughts on Alatsway before we wrap up?
1: Just that I am. I mean, I hope that this is the start of more indigenous. YA and more indigenous fiction in general, Um, but I am just so excited to dive into a story that I I honestly, I cannot think of another, whether it's YA or adult, that would be even close to what LATSOA is is coming at. So I'm very excited to read something entirely new.
0: Me too. Uh, I know some folks have already started it. Uh, Even some folks have finished it. Um, and, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what you folks think about it as well. So in our discord, in our Goodreads, uh, let us know what you think. And Alex, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I've enjoyed talking about foods that I'm not going to eat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, if people want to find more out about you, what's the best place for them to go?
1: Um, I'm kind of all over. I'm on Twitter. My handle is queen of rats. For obvious reasons.
0: Now it all makes sense to me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it
1: all makes sense. I'm on Instagram, Book Jockey Alex. That's also my website, bookjockeyalex.com. Um, I'm on tour.com all the time. And if you get the physical magazine for Locus, I'm in there too.
0: Excellent. Uh, our show here is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Uh, thanks to Yay! folks who back the show. If you would like to support the show that way, uh, you can do so by heading to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show through buying books through our links at swordandlaser.com slash pics. Our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com, website swordandlaser.com, or on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. It's all pretty obvious. And of course, uh, you can talk about the books on Goodreads at goodreads.com or in our discord. Which you can get to through our Patreon as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next time. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.